Hello and welcome to the Alamoy podcast. In today's episode, we continue the journey with Paul and Barnabas as we explore cross-cultural mission in Acts. We're going to be looking at an event that took place in Asia Minor in what was the Roman colony of Lystra. Now, in the previous podcast episode, we looked at Paul and Barnabas in Cyprus. Moving on from there, the biblical narrative records them sailing to Asia Minor, where they proclaimed the gospel amongst the Jewish diaspora in a number of locations, before facing serious opposition that forced them to move. And we pick up the narrative when Paul and Barnabas arrive in Lystra, having been forced to move on from Iconium because of the local opposition there. So please open your Bible to Acts chapter 14, where we'll be reading verses 8 to 23. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 to 23, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and they rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derb. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Now as we take a closer look at these dramatic happenings, we're going to note five things. Then we're going to see what lessons may be drawn from the scriptures here for the task of cross-cultural mission today. In your own time of Bible study, you'll no doubt identify many more important features to think about. Firstly then, we see the trigger for these incredible events. It was the healing of a man who was crippled from birth, according to verse 8. Now, remember, this didn't just happen in a random moment. The context is found in verse 7, just before the passage we read. 
If you look at Acts chapter 14 verse 7, you see that Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel. We know from verse 11 that a crowd had gathered as this was taking place. And it's in this context that Paul sees that the crippled man is responding in faith. Faith to be made well, according to verse 9. And then in verse 10, we read that following Paul's command, the crippled man is crippled no more. Secondly, we want to notice the response of the people to this miraculous healing. We're told that the locals, speaking in the local language, attributed this incredible event to their cultic beliefs. They thought that Paul and Barnabas were the deities Hermes and Zeus come down among them. See, Lystra was home to a Zeus cult, and the local priest was ready to come and offer sacrifices according to the custom. This mistaken, error-fueled thinking became apparent to Paul and Barnabas, according to verse 14, and they had a hard time restraining the people in their mistaken response. Thirdly, Luke, the author of Acts, gives us a glimpse into how Paul addressed the mistaken beliefs of the people when he records Paul's message to them. We see from verse 15 that Paul defined his message as good news, that which called for the people to respond by turning towards the living God. As the passage continues, we can see that Paul described the living God of his good news message in terms of natural theology, introducing God to them as creator and sustainer of all life, the one who rules sovereignly over the nations. The fourth point to notice is certainly a sober one. Before too long, the by now familiar pattern of opposition and persecution was once again endured by the apostles. In verse 19, we read that a group of Jews from locations previously visited came to stir things up in Lystra, turning the people against Paul and Barnabas. Things were so bad, Paul was attacked and left for dead, according to verse 20, before he eventually moved on to go elsewhere. Finally, in addition to the serious opposition, we also see the fruit of these cross-cultural missionary endeavours. A group of disciples was formed in Lystra, according to verse 22. Paul and Barnabas returned to the scene of these dramatic events and they encouraged and strengthened the new disciples. In verse 23, we get a little more information about the nature of Paul's activities. A church had been planted in Lystra and upon Paul's return, local leaders were appointed and the whole situation committed to the Lord. Now, as we continue this series looking at cross-cultural mission in Acts, we want to consider how this passage might inform that task today. As we do so, we're going to note five things. Number one, today's passage reminds us of the reality that when cross-cultural communication of the gospel makes a pioneering entrance among new places and peoples, it may be misunderstood. The locals in Lystra heard the gospel, witnessed a miracle, and yet their response revealed grave errors of misunderstanding. The worldview of the people in Lystra at the time led to a distortion of thinking and a situation which quickly had to be addressed and corrected. This very same challenge may well arise for cross-cultural communicators today, who, like Paul and Barnabas, need to be ready to quickly identify misunderstandings and bring gracious correction. Number two, in responding to the situation just mentioned, we saw in our passage that Paul's message to the locals from Lystra was presented as good news of the unique living God. The message was given in such a way as to call for a response, 
the turning from former vain beliefs towards the living God. This is relevant for our proclamation today in that the gospel of God's grace in Christ Jesus is the unique good news of the one true and living God. It must be shared with people in such a way that calls for a response. One in which former incorrect beliefs are set aside as the truth of God in Christ is embraced. The aim is not syncretism and a blending of various beliefs, but sincere surrender to the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, as revealed to us in the good news of Jesus Christ. Number three, linked to what has just been said, we note the importance of contextualization in sharing the gospel cross-culturally. Contextualization has to be motivated by faithfulness and fruitfulness. Now, what do I mean by this? While faithfulness, in terms of sticking faithfully to the biblical revelation of God recorded in the scriptures, our message must be one that is consistent with what has been revealed to us in the Bible. In addition to this, we will also want our communication of the good news to be fruitful, to connect with those we are seeking to reach in ways that can be correctly understood by them. For example, Given the situation Paul was in at Lystra, it would make little sense for him to speak to the locals about a Jewish Messiah who had come and fulfilled the long-expected promises made to Israel. That approach is great when Paul's speaking to Jewish folks in a synagogue who have some understanding of that context. But in Lystra, where Paul is communicating to a different group of people altogether, we see him frame his message about the one true living God in terms that the locals could understand that which we described earlier as natural theology. His message remains faithful in that it does not present God in any way contrary to the scriptures, and it is one that seeks to be fruitful by gaining a hearing in understandable terms amongst those he's seeking to reach. This would no doubt provide a platform from which Paul could go on to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is of course no easy task as we can see from today's reading. However, Contextualization of gospel communication that seeks to be faithful and fruitful across cultures is vitally important for the good news to penetrate the unreached peoples of the world today. Number four, we noted the sober reality of what Paul and Barnabas experienced on their missionary endeavours. Bouts of systematic opposition leading to persecution and even serious violence. Sadly, we know that this sort of thing continues today in different contexts around the world. In this very passage, Paul and Barnabas address the issue of tribulations with the new believers, telling them that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Later on in his life, Paul would tell his young co-worker Timothy, who actually joined Paul's team from his home in Lystra, that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 2 Timothy 3 verse 12. Cross-cultural communicators of the gospel need to recognise this. We must think about the social and relational consequences that new believers may face when following Jesus where they are and make sure that the necessary practical and pastoral support is in place should hard times come. Finally then, number five saw a glimpse into the broader strategy behind Paul and Barnabas' activities. The 
final three verses in today's passage show us that they were not simply interested in making converts. Rather, they worked to see these converts become disciples. They planted churches and they appointed local leaders over them. This was obviously important to Paul and Barnabas because when we take the geography of these events into account, it's clear that it would have been easier for them to continue on back to their base at Antioch from the city of Derb. However, instead they turned around and revisited the places they'd been to, including Lystra, which would have taken no small amount of courage given the opposition they'd encountered there. Surely this must be the goal for the task of cross-cultural mission today, to see the lost reached and to see local churches planted. Churches that go on to be led by local leadership, raised up by God and identified by others. Now the unfolding narrative of the book of Acts shows us that Paul revisited Lystra on several occasions, as seen in Acts chapter 16 and chapter 18. No doubt to continue the link that had been established, providing support and encouragement. This is the biblical model for church planting and one that we would do well to take into consideration today in the task of cross-cultural mission to reach the unreached. Well, up next in this series, we follow Paul and his team as they enter Macedonia and what was the then Roman colony of Philippi. So do look out for that in a future podcast episode. If you'd like to continue to study God's word with us, you can join many others around the world who are benefiting from our free distance learning programs. To do this, simply enrol online via our website. Now for more information about Logos Ministries International and our work of supporting the local church around the world, please visit us online at www.lmi-org.net or follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle lmi underscore connect or find us on Facebook by searching for Logos Min International. Thank you for listening and do join us next time on the Alamai Podcast.